Our dear Father, we thank you this morning for yet another time of fellowship around your word. To receive by the influence of your spirit, we believe and receive this morning that our hearts are full of faith to receive your word in accuracy, in precision, and clarity. We declare that in this atmosphere there is no error, no confusion, or no distraction. Together as a church, we behold Jesus Christ, your son, even as he sees us in him. In this service, he is glorified, even as we are edified alongside the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Just before you sit down yet again, appreciate uh, Pastor Josh, his wife, and just about everybody. Here. And of course, Pastor Gilbert again and again. Amen. Have your seat. Praise the Lord. So John 14, we're looking at the flow of the Spirit. And John 14, you know, yesterday we said some things are taught and other things are caught. I'm going to walk around something this morning. Um, I'll explain it to the night. And I intend to talk around two subjects simultaneously. Praise the Lord. Okay, so you pay attention. So John 14 and 16, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. There's uh, just something there about the word he. Uh, uh, the word he will abide with you forever. Uh, usually in the Greek, it doesn't throw out any particular pronoun, whether it's male or female gender. And sometimes it's also collective. Because when you notice the word he there, may abide with you forever, you notice that he says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because he seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Now, if you read further on, uh, more, yeah, verse 20. At that day, you will know I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So, in other words, he, he talks about him, the Father, the Spirit. So, the E is not a singular person. It's actually another way of saying the God of the Old Testament, who basically is Father, Son, and Spirit. So, that's what he's saying in there. And you see that in the epistles, it carries the same weight. Now, because verse 23... Uh, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will, see? Can you see? We will come to him and make our abode with him. So really, he's, he's talking collectively there. Because uh, in the Old Testament, you see, uh, you find the father, then you hear also the Lord, then you also have the spirit. And, and that runs through New Testament text. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there's therefore now no condemnation to who are Christ Jesus, for the Lord is with the life of Christ Jesus, made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the Lord could not do... <clears throat> That was weak through the flesh. God said his own son, like his own flesh of sin, connecting with flesh, that the righteousness of God might fulfill in us who walk after the flesh, but out of the spirit. <coughs> he said, those who are in the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, and those who are in the spirit do mind the things of the spirit. To the kind of mind is yet to be spiritual, mind life and peace. So the kind of mind is subject, no sort of words, and towards God, no sort of words, can it be? He said, so that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be, Romans 8, 9, that the spirit of God dwells in you. No, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. If any man has not the spirit of Christ, he is none of it. So he moves from Christ to God. We know Christ is God. But pay attention. So he says, um, if Christ be in you, the body is dead to sin. The spirit is life because of righteousness. So if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, he that is Christ will dwell in your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So you see, he's interchanging those terminologies. Okay? So he said, therefore, brethren, we are debtors 
not to the flesh to live out the flesh, but if you live the flesh, you die. But if you through the spirit modify this of the body, verse 13, you shall live. 14, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Okay? So therefore, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption. Now, adoption means sons. So he's saying spirit of God, spirit of the son. Hereby we cry, have a father. He the spirit of, uh, so the spirit dwelt, but bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So you see, it's interchanging. And that's the, the Old Testament theme. You, you find the father, the son, the spirit. So when it says we'll come and make our abode with you in John 14, he's not talking about two spirits. In the spirit, we have father, son, spirit. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, that's great about Christianity. So you have father, son, spirit, and it's this spirit. So in other words, if I say the father is in me, I'm right. If I say the son is in me, I'm right. If I say the spirit is in me, I'm right. If I say God is in me, I'm saying the same thing. Who's following what I'm saying here? Well, good. So John 14, 16, I pray the father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Now, there are things a Christian must know. And I always say there are things a local church must teach all the time. There are subjects that you don't have to pray about, that you must always teach every year. I say that because I've been practicing it too. There, one of them is teaching about the things of the Spirit. You have to teach it every year. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, when Paul says, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Okay? Now, of course, the word gifts is italicized, but it's fine. It says, in verse 2, it says, uh, you were idols. I mean, Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols and were, were led. Uh, said, no man uh, says that Jesus Christ is Lord by the Holy Ghost. No man can call Jesus Lord by the Holy Ghost. No man, uh, speaking by the Spirit of God, call it Jesus a cross. So he says, now, right, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. We're going to look at that in a moment. So Paul makes an emphasis to talk about the Holy Ghost, the things of the Spirit. Look at John. John focuses a lot on the Spirit from verse 14 through to 16. Three dedicated chapters on the Spirit. So it's an important information for you to know. And reason why John, this is a bit of a background, John's uh, four gospels is not called synoptic uh, because synoptic will mean that things that are, uh, they are together. But John's account is very unique. He, he talks about miracles that the others don't talk about. Lazarus is raised from the dead is not in any of the other three. Uh, the John 9 miracle is not in any of the three. The John 5 miracle is not in any of the three. The John 2, uh, turning water to wine, is not in any of the three. The nobleman's son miracle in John 4 is not in any of the three. The conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus is not in any of the three. With the woman at the well, not any of the three. So you have things like the John 8 woman who was brought for is not any of the three. So it's not, it doesn't synchronize with others. Amen. So it's quite unique. So his emphasis and reason for that was when John was written, most of the now most of the epistles were already done. So uh, and the, something that had risen at that time, where there was, as it were, a uh, a criticism or let's say, a, shall I say, an attack on the divinity of Jesus. Okay, and some even came up with the story of the spirit. So he looking at what happened in the life of Jesus, was able to make a connection between the Father, the Spirit, and the Son 
in his own writing. Notice that that was the emphasis even of his epistle. Amen. Uh, so you, you can call John's gospel uh, a polemic. A polemic is something you do to correct something, to attack a wrong belief. So that's why he opens up with the word of God. Uh, that's the word of the Lord of the Old Testament, John 1, 1 which relates cl clearly that Jesus is God. He, he is more, is less cryptic, is more direct in speech about who Jesus is. Because you discover that he doesn't talk about the manger story. Joseph is not in his account at all. <laughs> Mary features almost absent, you know. He just focuses on, because the other ones were in circulation, they had dealt with that. So he just focused on the divinity of Jesus more than the others. Amen. So in addressing that, he focuses a lot on the spirit, on the spirit. And so as, as believers and as a local church, we must have a good understanding of the walking of the spirit. So the other day, on Sunday, we saw that Jesus taught from where? The Old Testament. And we said that's the context of the things that he taught. So in John 14 here, we're able to relate it with Ezekiel 36. Let's look at it. Ezekiel 36. And verse 26. Actually, uh, it's like a copy. Put your hands in there and go to Ezekiel 11. So yeah, we're going to read the same thing, but in different parts of the book. Ezekiel 11 and verse 19. I will give them one heart and I'll put a new spirit within you. And I'll take away the spirit of their flesh and I'll give them a heart of flesh. I'll give them one heart. Now, Ezekiel, that means for all believers who will have the same nature. Okay? So we no longer say, you know I'm choleric or I am chlorine or something. <laughs> You know, I'm sagging or sanguine. You know, I'm mechanic or melancholy. You know, you know I'm fancy or phlegmatic or something like that. We don't say kind of stuff like that because we have one heart. So that is why in Christianity we follow examples. You know why we follow examples? Because we have the same nature. So when I see a believer do the right thing, I don't applaud him for being unique. I look at him as what I can also do. Because we have one heart. So a good character is common to all of us. Amen? Amen? A good nature is common to all of us. You, you don't say, you know, I'm different from you. You know, I'm, you know, stuff like that. We say, you know, I'm different from you. I remember I was talking to a couple years ago, uh, since 95, and this man, they've been married, so he told me that he's always pushed to beat his wife. And so I said, oh, how come you are not pushed to beat people outside? Why is it your wife you are pushed to beat? You know, he said, you know, you know, we are wired differently. I'm different from my wife. I said, how? I said, you know, uh, I, I'm really praying for the gift of patience. So I said, oh, God, when did you get born again? He told me 1968. So I said, I think he said August. So I said, 1968, August, that was the day God gave you all the patience you will ever need. Yes. But throughout the period from 1968 to 1995, you've spent more time not knowing what he gave you. Because if you did... You wouldn't say we are wired differently. It's not just wire, it's connection. Or it's a signal, nonsense. You're not wired. You have one heart. Amen. Amen. So don't, don't, don't give an excuse. Don't say I'm human as an excuse to walk in the flesh. Say I'm born of God. Born of God. Uh, don't say, you know, I'm human. Now. You know, I'm human. You're human. You know, I mean, no, no. You are human, but you are human and born of God. Amen. Okay, look at this 26. 
A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. I will take away those stony out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you, notice the difference, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So, which means that God gave us his spirit so we can do his word. Say, I'm a doer of the word. So, you actually can do the word. You can do the word. In Ephesians 5, 1, Paul writes, he says, be ye followers of God as their children. The word there is imitators. It's from the Greek word mimitos. It means to act like someone else. Now, why can we act like someone else? Because we are his children. We've got his DNA. Amen. We've got his DNA. We don't just come to church, get excited at what he said. I know actually James said that much. He said, um, uh, every, uh, do not err, my beloved brother, James 1, 16, every good gift and every perfect gift from above, down from the Father of light, verse 17, where there is no variableness in the shadow of turning, of his own will, verse 18, begat us by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of the first fruit of his own creatures, James 1, 18, 19, therefore, my beloved brother, 19, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, verse 20 says, for the wrath of man walketh not righteousness of God, so therefore, verse 21, laying aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness, the engrafted word which is able to save the soul. So therefore, they be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now, <laughs> that word hearers only is an old Greek word, akrotis. It means someone who just goes to watch a movie and claps. It's not part of it. You know, hearers only. You're just there to say, woo, glory, yeah, good, good teaching, go, you're teaching good. You know, those things, teaching, go, hey, 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 oh, see Bible, you know, see those stuff like that. But you're not a doer of it, you know. So it says, deceiving your own selves. Now, the word deceiving yourself is the word paralogismo. Uh, it means to act beside yourself, that this is not you. To act beside yourself. So which means that if not doing the word is acting beside myself, that means doing the word is being myself. That's being myself. So I say, well, I went out of my way to help you. No, that's actually your way. Amen. I went out of my way to say, no, 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 that is actually your way. You know, it is your way. Hallelujah. It is your way. Because you have his spirit. You have his spirit. And you can do his word. And you can do his word. So he gave us his spirit and we can do his word. Is that clear? So the indwelling of the Spirit, right, is proof that we are God's sons, we are God's children, we are in his family. He has sealed us forever. Ephesians 4.30, Ephesians 1.14. We have the, the seal of God, you know, the Holy Spirit of promise whereby we are sealed. The earners of our, the purchase of our possession, eternal possession or inheritance, you have all that. So we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The word sealed means a proof of permanence and ownership. So that, giving us the spirit within is proof that we are ease. And we are ease forever. Okay? And not just that, it also shows that we can act on his word. 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 Like John will say in 1 John 5, that the commandments of God, verse 2 and 3, are not grievous. They are not, they are, it's not a pain. To do God's word. It's not because you are born of God. It's harder for you to walk in the flesh. It's easier for you to walk in the spirit. 
It's harder for you to walk in the flesh. It's easier for you to walk in the spirit. I, I was saying this in church the other day, and people were laughing. You know, in my, in my earlier days, when I disciple people, that was in the 90s. One of the first things I tell new converts is I'll make you confess 1,000 times that you are a spirit so that it will dawn on you. Say 1,000 times, you'll be counting it. I'm a spirit. I'm, I'm a spirit. I think it's good. I'm a spirit. I'm a spirit. So I'll make you say that so that it will dawn on you. Amen. That you are a supernatural person. That you are born of God. So when we put out God's word and we say this is who you are, you know that is the reality of who you are. So you are actually doing what is natural to you. It's natural to you to be kind. So when we read the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5.22, the word fruit actually is the word kapos, K-R-P-O-S. I like how a friend of mine defined it years ago. You know, he called it fruitage. And I like it. He said because, you know, when you get kapos, kapos is from sowing a seed. This is what comes out of it. So you can call it result of the spirit. So the fruit of the spirit is not what you produce. It's what God produces in you. Love, joy, gentleness. All that, that is your nature. That is your nature. That is your nature. So one of the things, one of the added advices when you marry a Christian, a believer, is that you already know his nature. You know his nature. I expect my wife to trust me because she knows my nature. I expect to trust my wife because I know her nature. I know she's born of God. Remember one day when we were in the car, my friends were there and one of our pastors is not here today. We were talking about another Christian and something the Christian did. So the pastor who was driving us, he now said something that, you know, rings a bell all the time. He said that, Pastor, you know he's a Christian. It's weigh heavily on his conscience. You know, and that's something, that's something we know about believers. Yeah. He's a Christian. He's a believer. Yeah. I'm, uh, there's something I always say. Someone asks me, why do I say it often? I said, look, somebody is born again. No matter how weird and far he goes in the world, he will come back. Yeah. People always say, how am I sure? I said, I have confidence in the integrity of God's word. Yes. Because he's born again. Mm-hmm. I'm 100% sure. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, believers will come before. There was one guy like that in the 90s. I'll give you one of the story, a part of the story, so you will laugh. So one of our friends, Pastor Nolade was his name. He was 94 or 5. So he ran to us in the room, and he said, ah, he met an unbeliever today who, that he will quote his scripture. The unbeliever will tell him the Greek word. <laughs> that there was, he said something, the unbeliever gave him like 15 translations of the same verse. And the guy was smoking, you know, and weed. And, you know, and he had, you know, stuff around. He said, ah, I've never seen that before. We now laughed. Because you knew, we knew who he saw. So I said, it's like, he said, yes, he said, no, it's not unbeliever. That is a backsliding Christian. You know, he had, the guy had been in the ministry. So something happened, something not too good. And, you know, brethren chewed on him. And then, you know, our brethren are, they can do more evangelism at people's faults than rich they lost. <laughs> <laughs> it's when people use the efforts, <laughs> they used to spread gist, to preach the word. The old earth will have been filled with the glory of the Lord. <laughs> the same efforts, you know, they use. Have you heard? Did you know? And they will, the way they will explain it in detail. Anaginosko. Eh? <laughs> or people's problems. They will analyze it. So we now told him that, though, the guy is a Christian, that he's actually just a backslid. You will know, you know, and the guy had done all sorts of evil. You know, and he could quote the scripture. He will give you Greek words. He will give you translations. You know, that's heavy. 
you know. So one of my friends, Pastor Yomi, now decided to do something from that day. He would go to his room and just drop a letter on a daily basis. He just drop a letter, drop a card, drop something. And, you know, he, he put their brother. Sometimes he would add pastor. To the guy who, who was <laughs> into drugs, he would put pastor. You know, I said, pastor, I just came to say hello. How are you? You know, we trust God that the ministry God has given to you. He, he kept saying that, you know, the guy's in the UK now, he's a missionary. So sometimes it's difficult. I know it's difficult because your head will be ringing. Hey, are you sure? Are you sure this one is born again? Tell you, you know, your head will argue with you. Yeah. Are you sure? Born This one is not born again. No, it's born You even start doubting the doctrine of salvation that you know that when God says He says forever, you start to think there are exceptions. So this guy, you know, <laughs> you know. But like Brother Hagin will say, that if we surround people with faith and love, they will rise up to what we are saying. You know, you just keep saying it. You just keep saying it. You just keep saying it. There was one guy like that. You know, his dad passed on. So he was supposed to, he had never been in the ministry. So he, they were now trying to see whether he could pastor the church and all that. Like I said in Pastor Renviewer's church, don't join people to say this nonsense. Ah, Okay, now people are now handing over churches to their sons. Don't say stupid things like that. See, when you say things like that, right, you will have what you say. Your own children will not follow your pattern. Don't say stupid things like that. Amen. Don't say stupid. See, there are things we say because people are saying it. I shared with them a story of one lady. She came to me for cancer. Of course, she, had, she was struggling with her husband. The husband was like the ton of, no, it's not a ton in our flesh, it's a ton in our spirit. <laughs> you know, the kind of things, you know, flesh is still flesh. This one's torn in the spirit. You know, so she was really, you know, distressed. So as she was talking, before she started, you know, being digital, I just had a vision. And I saw her where she, when she was in the university, years before. I mean, she's far older than I am. So if you know what year I'm talking about. So I told her, I said, there you were in your room. And four of you were there. A Muslim lady was there. She wore hijab. And you said so and so, mocking people who marry pastors. You were born again. And you said those things. And you said, ah, you, you don't want your life to be disturbed by any church. Or that you want a husband that you know you have to yourself. And you said things. And you all made fun of pastors. Ah. She said, yeah, how did you know? I said, I'm saying you God showed me something. She said, how do I know? <laughs> I told her the university she went to. I said, that day. Those guys around you are not Christians. So there's little they can be judged for. I said, but you are reaping what you sowed. That's what you are doing. Because you said it. It came to pass. Numbers 14, 28. God told them. He said, what you have spoken in my ears, I'll do it to you. It's exactly what you said. You said it. You know, I, I said it one time. I said, I kept saying years ago that, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a pastor. I kept saying it. And every time I started a church, it will not grow or it will close down. Yeah. So one day I fixed it. Yeah. I said, how, why was I saying that? Yeah. So I stopped saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Your words actually have as much power, yeah. much more power, sorry, than sometimes you think about. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And it's not God. It's not the devil. It's you. Yeah. You set yourself up. You know, you know a fool by what he says. Yeah. Yeah. So don't say things like that. Yeah. Just say, look, um, my children will 
inherit the work of the ministry from my hand. What about saying that consistently? Amen. That's what to say. So this guy, he wasn't even thinking it was. So I kept talking to him. He would chat me up and I would say, Pastor. Ah, he said, so I'm not a pastor. I said, stop saying that. So he kept saying, Pastor, Pastor. I'll call him Pastor. I'll call him Pastor. So until you start, he started saying, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. He's now your pastor. <laughs> you know, keep saying it. Amen. We must learn to, don't say, eh, you know, it is not uh, natural to be. So I trust my friends because they are born of God. I trust them they will do the right thing. I trust those who work with me in the ministry because they are born of God, that they will act on God's word. So what do I do? I will put out God's word enough for them to act on who they are. And this helps the local church. You see, sometimes something happens in church and, you know, you are scared. You know, there was one pastor like that. He called me late at night. He said, ah, so, so, so happened in church. I know that. He said, ah, hey, hey. I said, go and sleep. He said, sir, I've not been able to sleep. I said, eh, it means you are not sleeping. Go and sleep. What do I do? I said, nothing. I said, you just teach the word. Just don't you have confidence that these folks are born of God? He said, I do. Give them the information and they will act on the word because they are are born of God's word. They are born of God's spirit. So the the cure to believers' conduct can never be any other thing but the word. The word. The word. The word. The word. The word. Whatever habit it is, the word. What you and I know, for some of us, with the, with the level of knowledge we have, because it's not much, we are still growing. There are things we would do, we chose to do them. Because we are exposed to the to knowledge of God's word. We know. We are born of God. You know, someone told me, hey, me and my wife and daughter, I said, you know, whenever you are, that evil spirit of anger and violence comes on you, just walk in the spirit. You know what I call walking in the spirit? Take it stroll. That's walking in the spirit. Take it through and pray in tongues. Take it through and say, this is who I am in Christ. That's, that's practical walking in the spirit. That means walk away. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that goes thing with friendships. You know, friendships. Like E.W. Kenyon will say, say that love has never been to the divorce court. No, love has never been to the divorce court. Oh, yeah, what about Christians that are divorced? Well, one of them is not walking in love. Funny enough, it could be a violent husband that's not working in love. Or an abusive wife. It could be any of the two. But the truth of the matter is that love always wins. Because we are born of God. So the indwelling of the spirit, right, reflects who we are. Reflects who we are. Reflects who we are. I will put my spirit within you. My spirit. As you get to 6 and 27, my spirit. Ezekiel 11, 29, 19, it says one heart, which means that we know ourselves. We know ourselves. We know ourselves. Something binds us together. The spirit of God binds us together. So we put out the word because we know that men and women born of God will act on it. So I I remember Brother Hagin saying that that corrected my thinking. He said, look, whenever you're talking to the church, fine, people can do, I mean, a pastor. People are going to, uh, I tell some of my uh, colleague pastors who work with me, 
when you don't have problems in the congregation, then there's no, you are not pastoring. <laughs> people are, God didn't send you to pastor people that are perfect. So you must have problems every now and then. It drives you. How I many know that problems make you pray? Or oh, you don't believe it? Uh, you pray, you fast a lot. Uh-huh. It will deepen your prayer life. You know you have to pray more. Uh-huh. And you really know how I have to pray. I have to you know, put out the word more. So you see, the, the thing is, you, you, I believe the word. So when I put it out, I know people are going to act upon it. Yeah. Now, when they seem to fail not to, I still have confidence in it. Yeah. I'll still teach it. Yeah. I'll still talk, keep talking about yeah. it. And I'll pray for them that their eyes are open yeah. to act on that inheritance they have in Christ Jesus. Yeah. So at no point must I resort to any other thing. Mm-hmm. I put out the word because I know that my audience, they have received the spirit. God dwells in them. And he puts them over every storm and every obstacle. So I know that. So you, you, you put confidence in the word. That's why a church should be a place where we teach the word always. We are confident about it. Look at Moses. Despite the fact that, you know, this was a rebellious nation. In Exodus 18, you know what he did? He taught them morning till night. Morning till night. Jesus taught three days, four days. Took them. So it shows that they had confidence in the word. Always put confidence in the word. Put confidence in the word. Thank God for other stuff that we do. Thank God for good music. But you see, good music must always be an accompaniment of the word. Teach it a lot. Thank God for, you know, other things that we do. We help people who are in need. You know, we help them out and all those things. Yeah, it's also ministry, okay? But you see, the real essence of Christian living is to teach the word. Why? Because we know that this man is born of the spirit of God. And when we feed him on who he is, she, on who she is, they will act on it. They will act on it. So, Brother Hagin was saying that you don't come to church and say, you people are just a bunch of so 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 You know, some pastors are just complainers. He said, no. You, you call them what the word says they are. You know, you know, I know you guys, you guys are living the word. I know you guys are walking in the spirit. You know, I trust and have confidence in you that you do the right thing. You know, you say that often. You can't teach the word of faith with an, with an air of doubt, you know, and, you know, and uncertainty. And uh, maybe skepticism. You can't do that. You must teach the word, believing that people will act upon it. Because it's a message of faith. Is that clear? Is it, in, your, in your mouth, you must also accompany it with that, you know, I don't want to use the word aura because that may swing to the other side, with, you know, an inspiration, motivation of faith that you do God's word. I know you do God's word. You, you act upon it. You act upon it. Amen. So we have the spirit within us as proof that we act on the word, that we are just like him, that we, we can reflect his character. Amen. Say, so I have God's character. I have his spirit. His son. Hallelujah. So we said that's the spirit within. Now, God didn't give you two spirits. Okay? But there are two walkings. I'll call it three. The third one, I'll mention it a little bit, then we'll look at it tonight. There are three walkings. I'll call it two, really, but it can be three. There's such a thing as the spirit upon. And yesterday and Sunday, we saw that spirit upon simply means seeing the walk of the spirit through someone. It's an idiom. It's not on the person's head. Okay? Spirit upon. 
Now, we said yesterday that for the spirit within at the new birth, when you are born again, is a passive response. I believe and I receive. It's passive. I, I, like I receive what God has given me. So we look at Romans, sorry, Acts 18, 8 verse 14 yesterday, and we said that uh, when Samaria heard, Apostle Samaria heard that, uh, Apostles of Jerusalem, sorry, heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent of them Peter and John, and they prayed for them, and they might receive the Holy Ghost. I told you yesterday that the word receive in 14 is deikoma. It means to accept something. But in 15, that they might receive the Holy Ghost is lambano, or paralambano. It means to take something. So in 14, you are passive. Okay? In 15, you are active. You are active. So, the flow of the Spirit through believers, right, the flow of the Spirit will have us take the initiatives. God has given you his Spirit. Even the word walking in the Spirit, Galatians 5, 16 and 17, walk in the Spirit that you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. The word walk is the word peripatio. P-R-I-P-A-T-E-O. Peripatio. Now, peripatio means to, uh, to uh, embark upon a distance. So even at that, it is still your initiative to embark upon a distance. That is to act on something, to walk in the spirit. So when we say walking in love, I like a definition I've been using for years. We said walking in love, I call it like this, is a spiritual initiative that a believer embarks upon where he chooses, all right, to express the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God to an object of God's love, irrespective of that person's response. So that is you engage. That means I will take steps. Why is it a walk? For example, someone offends you or does something. You must. You, there are certain things you must do. You engage. The first I'll tell you is to pray. Is to pray. Because, in, in, you know, sometimes we have seen prayer more like, uh, I need car, God give me car. You know? But it's funny that, you know, why did prayer, Jesus pray that much? If prayer was ever asking for things. Why did he pray at the baptism of John and he prayed on the cross or towards the cross and on the cross? Why? If it was asking for things, that defeats it. So prayer is more of you and I walking in God's will. Of course, we ask for things we do, but it's secondary. So you will see that in John 5, Jesus said, you have heard, love your enemies, uh, love your neighbors, hate your enemies. But now I say to you, love your enemies. Pray. That's the first thing he said. Pray. Do good. Pray. So which means that if I'm going to walk in love, right, there are actions I must embark upon. I will pray. You do not, you hardly will have offenses with people that you pray for. Anyone you pray for is almost impossible to be bitter against the person. It is impossible. That is why as a church, we must learn to pray for one another. We must learn to pray for one another. So, you know, you listen to this. One of the all marks of people you love, how to know people you really love, 
is how you pray for them. How you pray for them. How you pray for them. So, when you are going to walk in love, you embark upon praying for people. You pray for people. There was one fellow who came to me in 1996 or 7. And he told me, oh, this is what I talked about someone. I said, the person did it, this is this, this, this. I said, okay, so when, you know, he had exhausted the stories. So, I put my hands around and said, so have you prayed for him? And I said, not yet. <laughs> Actually, he had used of the devil. You've not prayed for him. Why? You've not even prayed. You know? So, praying. Two, be good. Be good. Kind. So, walking in love has steps. Things you would actively do. Pray for people. Do good to them. And that also has to do with what you say. You know you can disagree with people and their doctrine still love them. And you won't say stupid things about them. Yeah. You will love them. You will say the right things about them. You know, some people under the guise of preaching against false doctrine, they start, you know, they, they, they disguise bitterness. You know, jealousy. You know, some are really jealous. Sometimes what is annoying about some people you don't agree with is the fact that their church is growing. It's not, it's not, the, it's not what they are saying. In the fact that your church is growing, they are doing well. People are talking about them. You know, how do you feel in your heart when people start honoring people in your presence? Check your heart. You look at the person. Yeah. This guy. Now, wow. In your heart. Yeah, that's a real problem. You know. That means you have bitterness headquartered in your heart. You know what I'm saying? Is he even teaching the word? When the guy says, Jesus is Lord. So he's also God, not just Lord. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, there's something in your heart. So don't, don't under the guise of uh, someone is not preaching the word, start having bitterness. Amen. There are things that I don't bother myself about because you walk in the flesh. So walking in love is when you take an initiative and you take certain steps and the distance is that I want to show God's love to this person. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, you know, something happened years ago. <coughs> I told Dr. Abel, and he came back and confirmed it. I don't know whether you can retain this in your teaching. I don't want trouble. I said, I checked the teaching manuals, sermons, tapes. I did the research myself of major ministries in Nigeria. I didn't see anybody who thought walking in love. Says you go and check it. That didn't say no. There is no, there is no deliberate emphasis on walking in love. People talk about it. Love your neighbor. You also say amongst it. But to do a teaching, no. Even churches that who call themselves Christocentric, I say you should check it. I did the search myself. It's not like I asked one to do it. I said there's no. No one had a series on it. Uh -uh. Maybe it has changed now because this was six years ago. Said no one had this thing on it. I had done it before I told him anyway. I did it maybe 2014. Because I was wondering, why is it easy for fall down and die prayers to be easy in churches? There must be a reason. Why is it easy for Christians to, and you don't say it to Christians, are not believers, is the, is the diet. The diet is not the spirit's diet. It's only, you see prayer meetings and 
you have people say, whatever is standing against you. <laughs> Someone rightly said something one day. He said, be careful if you want your enemies that you may lose all your family. <laughs> That's instructive. <laughs> so, you know, I told him, I said, there's no, no, no attempt to teach. Because by the time you do those kind of things, it's usually, it will reduce much of the arsenals. I hear that word, you know, teacher, whatever. Much of the, whatever. <laughs> so, go punish you. <laughs> you, you, you did that for me on the pulpit. I will never forgive you. <laughs> uh, okay, you know. So you know that's important. Walking in love. That's why when you teach honor, some people get getting uncomfortable because honor is the root of love. Is the root of love. You know when if you read the Ten Commandments as we call them, as soon as he spoke about the Sabbath, you know when he talks about the Sabbath. Here he's talking about our worship of God. When he now moved to human relations, the first statement is honor. The first instruction is honor. That's why Ephesians 6 says it's the first commandment. <laughs> to treat with respect. To treat as who he or she is in Christ. So the indwelling of the spirit shows us or gives us an identity. See, I'm who the world says I am. Say, I'm who the world says I am. I can do what the world says I can do. So every time pastor teaches, you see a reflection of who you are. This is who I am. And you act upon it. So we have the spirit within. It gives us an identity, who we are. And with the spirit within, we can embark upon initiatives to love the unlovable, to have mercy on those who have wronged, to be kind-hearted to people, to be patient. Also, we, 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 are, we overcome fleshly lust. Because we are not slaves to sin. Amen. We, we have new habits. Glory to God. Our habits glorify God. We do the right thing. We have a good character. Because God's spirit is in us. So we now have the spirit upon. The spirit upon is service. It's service. So I, Brother Higgins will say, the spirit within is for fellowship with God. I will say, yeah, fellowship with God and fellowship with other believers. Because when you come to church, I need to see... When you come to church or among believers, or even in the world anyway, but let's say among believers, we need to see the spirit within you, in your disposition, in, your, in the way you act. There was a guy, he was fasting. So the 48th day of the fast, he was breaking the fast and somebody annoyed him. So he put his hand on the table. He said, if I was not fasting, go. The table split into two. Bah. The pastor said, you have to keep fasting. If you can be fasting and this can happen, please continue <laughs> fasting. <laughs> so the spirit within gives us the identity. The spirit upon is for service, where we're able to bless the body of Christ. Look at Joel two. Okay, let's go to Acts one, Acts two, because of our timing now. Acts two. So spirit upon is what? Is an idiom for what? Service, or we say the work of the Spirit through us, or the ministry of the Spirit. So Acts 2, verse 16. 
This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last day, said God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my admins that I'll pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now, yesterday, I showed you something in verse 33, Acts 2. Wherefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father. So, who received of the Father? We did. The promise of the Holy Ghost. He has shed forth this which you now see and hear. I know you guys learn quickly, so I'm going to say something. You know, I said to us that the Spirit of Paul also is to share in the identity and ministry of Jesus. Now, remember in Numbers 11, he took the Spirit that is upon Moses and put it upon the 70 and they bore the burden together. So Jesus pouring the Spirit through us, it means that we are identified with his burden, with his ministry. So the spirit upon is sharing in the ministry of Jesus. Say, I have a share, have a share. in the ministry of Jesus. Say like you mean, I have a, I have a share in the ministry of Jesus. So Jesus, therefore, look at what he said to them, Matthew 28. He says, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Go therefore, verse 19, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatever I have commanded you. And lo, remember the word lo. It means behold. Remember the word behold. Lo, I am with you always till the end of the age. So, lo, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Now, we assume that Jesus left the earth when he rose from the dead. He just said, guys, you know, uh, that's like scope. I say, you know what scope is? You know scope? What do you call scope here? You know scope? Scope is when you dribble people. So imagine if he says, Lo, I am with you always. I'm with you. Lo, I am with you. Uh, that's not true. You are going, you say you are with you. That's African language. You say, I'm coming. I'm coming. And you are going, I'm coming. Uh, <laughs> so now, Lo, I am with you means he's actually with us. He's with us in the spirit. That is where he is. He's with us in the spirit. Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 15. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And this sign shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink anything, they shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands. of Jesus. That's what it is. We are sharing in the ministry of Jesus. We are partakers of his ministry. Don't forget, we are partakers of his character. The Holy Ghost is in us, right? We are also partakers of his ministry. The Holy Ghost is upon us. So in character, in our nature, 
in our disposition, we are partakers with Jesus. We have his spirit. Okay? In ministry, we are also partakers with him. His spirit is upon us. Hallelujah. You shall be witnesses unto me, Acts 1.8, in, in, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. <clears throat> so, when I receive the spirit, I partake in the ministry of Jesus. When I take of the spirit, I partake in the ministry of Jesus. You shall receive power. After which, now, look at what comes first. Look at what comes first. People think what he's saying is that you shall receive power after which the Holy Ghost will come upon you. It's like the Holy Ghost will come upon you to receive power. Nope. You shall receive. Then the Holy Ghost will come upon you. You shall receive. It is that receiving that causes the Spirit upon. It is the receiving that causes the Spirit upon. I'll say it again. It is the receiving that causes the Spirit upon. I'll say it again. It is the receiving that causes the spirit upon. So, in the spirit upon, you take the initiative. You take the initiative. It is the receiving that causes the spirit upon. I'll say it again. It is the receiving that causes the spirit upon. I'll say it again. It is the receiving that causes the spirit upon. That is why in verse 33, Acts 2, it says, Having received the promise of the Father, he has shed forth this. So, the moment we receive, he sheds forth. So the outpouring of the Spirit is not from God to us. It's from the church to the world. It's not from God to you. It's from the church to the world. So what we do with the Holy Ghost within, which is upon, is what is called the outpouring of the Spirit. What's the outpouring of the Spirit? When the sons and daughters prophesy. Is that not what it is? Uh -huh. when young men see visions. That is the outpouring of the Spirit. So which means the outpouring of the Spirit is our initiative. It's our initiative. It's our initiative. We receive. We receive. I was telling you a story yesterday about when we had this convention in 1994, December, so we call it Kingdom Harvest Festival. So I called a man to come and speak. <coughs> it wasn't a speaker in the meeting. Just it was, he gave us, I think he gave us Musical equipment or something. So just to honor him, he came for the meeting. I don't want to mention his church. It's a popular church. So I give you the microphone to bless us. He just stood there. And I went to him after a while. I didn't know I was looking at him. He said, sir, what do you have for us? He said, young man, let the spirit take control. Hey! I know he already has a mic. How do you collect your microphone back? <laughs> Which control? The Holy Ghost has been given to you. Hallelujah. So, the, the outpouring of the Spirit is our initiative. Look at Acts 8. Verse 17. And when they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Look at that. When they laid hands on them, you know, we, we, we went through this yesterday, but we didn't pay attention to this. When they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. When they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. So when hands are laid, 
and you receive. How did we know they received? Look at the next verse. Simon saw that through the laying on the hands of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. You know, I've heard people say, eh, you know, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not necessarily any physical thing that the people are changed within. They are changed within. So Simon just saw that they were changed within. <laughs> he saw that they were changed within. No. <laughs> he saw them do something. He saw that through the laying on of the hands of the apostles, the Holy Ghost was given. So the giving of the Holy Ghost is what people do. To receive of the Holy Ghost is to do something. So you are, you are taking the active part. Then Peter, then he give, then saying to them, look at 19, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Then Simon Peter answered, sorry, Peter answered and said to him, the, your money perish with thee, both you and your money. Because thou hast taught that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Verse 21, thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. Now, that word matter is logos. It means speaking. You have no part nor lot in this speaking. So, which means that what Simon saw included speaking. So, a primary way we receive the Holy Ghost of the Holy Ghost is by speaking. Acts 10. This is the house of Cornelius. Peter went there, he preached. Look at 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word. Now, notice this description. The Holy Ghost fell. And they which of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came, verse 45, Acts 10, with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, how did they know? Look at verse 46. For they, for they what? Heard them. They heard them. So, how do you receive of the Holy Ghost? By speaking. They heard them. Acts 2, 1 to 4. Now, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were seated. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, verse 3, like as a fire, such upon each of them. Verse 4. And they began to speak with other tongues. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, pardon me. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So speaking and the Spirit's giving happened simultaneously. To speak. To speak. Here again in the house of Cornelius, we saw them speaking. Acts 19. Acts 19. Watch this. This was Paul. He went to Ephesus and he asked the question in verse 2. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And he said unto him, we have not heard so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said to them, unto what then were you baptized? They said unto John's baptism. And he said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that he should believe on him, that should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Six. 
Watch 6 again. Let's take 6 together. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. They spoke with tongues. So something is consistent. Speaking. Speaking. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, if you observe what we have been reading so far, this is the first time you see the word prophesied. Now, prophesy simply means to speak by inspiration. To speak by inspiration. So they spoke with tongues and prophesied. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. So the flow of the Spirit, right, is a believer cooperating with the Spirit that is given to him by speaking. By speaking. By speaking. By speaking. By speaking. By speaking. You know, there's much, there's much more to our mouth than food. Let me say that again. There's much more to our mouth than food. Look at getting born again. Romans 10, 8. What's yet The word is nigh thee. In your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. So which means that our heart and mouth, right, are tools of spiritual development, spiritual initiation into the family of God. So if your mouth is so important, if your words are so important, it shows you therefore that your mouth is beyond eating. Your mouth can give a direction to your life. The things that you say and you don't say. And looking at this, your mouth is a way to cooperate with God. With God. With God. <coughs> in this meeting, in this assembly, in this church, in this conference, in our meeting generally as Caris International Christian Center. You know, one of the ways to walk with God here is by speaking. Is by speaking. Is by speaking. They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They received by speaking. So speaking is how to flow with the Spirit. Speaking is how to flow with the Spirit. So which means, as a believer, God has endowed me with supernatural utterances. Supernatural utterances given by the Spirit of God. Look at First Corinthians twelve one. I was there earlier on. First Corinthians twelve one. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I will not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking. Notice again, he's talking about spiritual gifts. It starts with what? Speaking. No man speaking. By the Spirit of God, call it Jesus a curse. And no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. But the same Spirit. Verse 5, there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Verse 6, there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which walketh all in all. Let's take seven together. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit without. The manifestation. That word manifestation, phenero in the Greek, P-H-A-N-E-R-O-O, simply means to open up something or naked. That is to empty. That means God has emptied his spirit for all believers to profit with all, to profit with all. That word profit with all means for the common good, for the common good, for the common good, for the common good. But look at four. There are diversities of gifts. 
There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Six or five. Diversities of administrations. That word there is ministries, but the same Lord. Six. Diversities of operations, but the same God which worketh all in all. Now it says in seven, the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit without. Now he goes ahead to list nine things. Nine. Nine. Now look at verse eight. He says to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit. Verse 9, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit. Verse 10, to another the walking of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Verse 11 says, for all this, walketh that one and the self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So he lists nine things. Now people like Kenneth Hagin, Award Carter, Award Carter used to be a teacher with the Assemblies of God. Kenneth Hagin, of course, is more popular today than Award Carter. <laughs> they did what we can call a classification of the things of the spirit. They grouped it under three groupings. The things we just read now, they call it the utterance gifts. Then they call it the revelation gifts. Then they call it the power gifts. Now, when you say utterance gifts, that means primarily these gifts speak. They are primarily into speaking. Then when we say revelation gifts, they show something. They show something. When we say power gifts, they do something. Or like, like I love to add to it, it does something in nature. So we have utterance gifts that primarily say something. We have revelation gifts that primarily show you something. Then we have power gifts. They do something in nature. For the utterance gifts, we have tongues. 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 Then of course, naturally will be interpretation of tongues. Then you have prophecy. Tongues. Interpretation of tongues and prophecy. Tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. We call that the utterance gifts. Utterance gifts. So we have the revelation gifts. Revelation gifts, they show something. They show something. Word of wisdom. Word of knowledge. Knowledge shows something. Wisdom shows something. Word of wisdom. Word of knowledge. They will now have discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. So those are the revelation gifts. The last group. The power gifts. The power gifts do something in nature. Of course, faith. The gift of faith will do something. It's to receive a miracle. We have walkings of miracles. Walkings of miracles. Those ones are in the, uh, they do something in the natural, in the flesh. Then finally, gifts of healings. So we have these nine gifts classified into three groupings. What's the first group? Mention them. Now, what is common to them? They say something. What's the second group? Revelation, Revelation gifts. Now, what, what, what gifts are in that? Descendants. Take it again. Word of wisdom. Word of knowledge. Now, what's primary to the three? You, you, you show something. The last group? Power gifts. Gift of faith. Walkings of miracles. Gifts of healings. What do they do? Do something. When they are in operation, you will see something done. When the utterance gifts are in operation, you see something, you hear something said. When the revelation gifts are in operation, you, you see something. Something is shown or revealed. Now, on the day of Pentecost, you had at least two groups involved. Of course, we have tongues. 
We have interpretation of tongues. We have prophecy. Acts 2.4. Acts 2.2 and Acts 2.3. There came a sound from heaven. Utterance or revelation gate. A sound from heaven. No. A sound. Sound from heaven. Huh? Revelation gift. And it filled all the house. And there appeared. What's that? Revelation gift. There appeared unto them clothing, tongues, and as on fire. So when, when revelation gifts are in operation, you will see something. And you also hear. How do you know? You know by seeing and by hearing. So on the day of Pentecost, we had revelation gifts. Was that the sign of spirits? Visions. Right? I also had utterances. Utterances. They said something. Now, you won't see the power gift there until later. Why? Because much of the power gifts is with the world. Is with the world. Is with the world. Of course, with the church too, but it's primarily with the world. So, on the day of Pentecost, let's see a few things that stand out. One, it was a church meeting. Right? Imagine if on the day of Pentecost, you know, the church service was going on, this conference, <coughs> they sent a text to Pastor Peter. Pastor, I'm, I'm so sorry, you know, something came up. And I can't attend the service this day. Something came up. And you left. You know, you, you, you can only hear what happened. You come back and say, ah, I miss. But I'll get the tape. That's what you're going to say. I'll get the tape. But the truth of the matter is that you can't get what they got. You can't. You can't. You can't. So look at another thing. They were all filled. You think that what happened was that uh, they were just closing their eyes. Everybody just said, no. Usually what happens, someone starts and the whole place was filled. That's the way it is. You know how something is filled? Filled. Filled. You know, last night, we started with someone and they filled the whole place. That's exactly what happened. It was just, it was someone. Uh, Reverend Mark Hankins will call it, uh, he'll call it first responder. There will be someone that will start out. Then every other person will catch in on it. It's just like singing. The choir will start. They will join them. It's the same way we flow with the Spirit. They were all filled. It will start with someone. Then it will go through everyone. But look at the key issue. Everyone was. So we can have a meeting where everyone is full of the Spirit. Everyone is full of the Spirit. Look at the book of Acts. There was no instance where anyone present did not receive. Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. Everyone, everyone, everyone. So that means the Spirit upon, listen to this, the Spirit upon eventually becomes the Spirit within us. There are folks that are wrongly taught. 1998, about 
October, I was in November. I went to a country in Southern Africa to preach, you know. So the first night, no, first morning session, actually, as I was preaching, I just noticed that there was something really odd, you know, very odd in the atmosphere. And these guys, they looked very pious. You could see that they loved God. So I was something very odd, extremely odd. The whole place was, you know, how you feel like, like Brother Higgins would say, you are wearing your socks with your, with, uh, you are uh, wearing your, what do you call, how do you just put it? You are washing your feet with your socks on. And you feel something is just out of place. I couldn't fathom it. Then I noticed also that in the middle of the service, the pastor and some elders, they will come to the congregation, they will speak with tongues. And the congregation will say, Amen. So after the service, I walked up to the man, the bishop. I said, Sir, what do you believe about the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Oh, he said, Yes. Our people are really waiting for it. Ah. He said, You know, that they run this class, sanctification class, work, second work of grace class, then you are now qualified. When you have cleaned your vessel, then the Holy Spirit will come and deal. Oh, God. I was shocked. So I just said, great. I didn't tell you what was great. Could be the unbelief. Could be the foolishness. <laughs> and he didn't ask me what was great. So in the evening, I'd come prepared. I got, I got him to the service. I wore some very funny things. I wore a jeans top and all that. So I came up and started preaching about the Holy Ghost. And I showed them all the texts in the book of Acts. You just noticed that a light bulb came up. Ah. You, you see it. Obviously, they have been taught wrongly. So, because ignorance also fills the place. You can feel the place. So, I started teaching. I taught, and I taught, and I taught, and I taught, and I taught. I could feel it at my back that the pastor and his leaders were not happy. You know, you feel it, but I didn't care. I taught, and I taught, and I said, if you are here, you want to speak with other tongues, as you have seen it in God's word, come out. They came out in glee. You know, and I started laying hands on them. I'm, I'm, so I, I had a friend then, uh, Matthew, the two of us. So I'm sure that the pastor would have told that because people were much, that I'll call him. <laughs> I didn't call him. I didn't call him. You don't call people like that at that point. They'll just say, just say, you know, let the Spirit of God do his will in your life. <laughs> so as I was laying hands, this, you, know, you know how some of them, the tongues have been there. For ages, like Brother Solomon yeah. used to be in our meetings. So I, I just noticed that ah, he didn't used to speak in tongues. And I'd known him years before. I said, Brother Solomon, yeah, he says meeting. He got born again in 1986. I got him filled with the Holy Ghost in 1996. He's now a leader in, in a major church in Nigeria, in Africa. So I said, hey, why? He said he's waiting. You are waiting for what? St. George School, Obafemetawo Street. I laid hands on him. He spoke with tongues. You know, you know that he has taught that thing for 10 years. The thing came out in anger. <laughs> he started jumping on the chairs. I just told people, don't come and break our chairs. We're not the ones that made you wait for 10 years. <laughs> so this congregation too, as I laid hands on them, you could see the tongues came out of, ah, almost frustration. So as they would speak with tongues, you know, they spoke with tongues, and they would now walk past the bishop. I knew they would invite me again. Anyway. 
So I just laid hands and I, and I walked out. But look at how the ignorance spread. But the same way the word of God just opened up channels for people to receive. So when you say the whole place was filled, it means that the spirit upon, when all of us receive, it becomes the atmosphere of the church. When all of us receive, where we are in an attitude of receiving, and how do we receive? Primarily by what? Speaking. So we can call it this way, like I think you will call it. The utterance gifts are the doorway to the, all the gifts of the Spirit. The utterance gifts, precisely tongues, are the doorway to all the gifts of the Spirit. The utterance gifts are the doorway. If you want to start out flowing with the Spirit, just start talking in tongues. Talking in tongues. We'll do a bit of it this morning, but I'm going to focus on that tonight. Just start talking in tongues. Talking in tongues. That's how to flow with the Spirit. I do it often. Someone comes to me for counsel, and I'm trying to figure out what I should say. I just spend some time, I just pray in tongues. 100% of the time, I get to know what the person hasn't said. 100%. 100%. 100%. I just start talking in tongues. I just start talking in tongues. And I just say, you know, what about this? What about that? That just looks like, hey. 100% of the time. Because I know that the utterance gifts are the doorway. The doorway. That's why on the day of Pentecost, what was prominent was tongues. Even though there was more than tongues there. But tongues was how they got in. How they got in. You know, after Paul talked about all the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, even to verse 31, he says, desire, you know, he said, convert, I mean, uh, desire the things of the Spirit. Desire the gifts of the Spirit. Desire, convert it. Convert it. I show you a more excellent way. Convert it. But you know, by chapter 14, he started by saying prophesy. His focus in chapter 14 was speaking. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, he said, He that speaks in tongues speaks not to, uh, I mean, speaks not to, I mean, uh, speaks not unto men. Albeit in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries, speaks unto God, not unto men. Albeit in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. That's not my focus. In verse 18, after he had told them, you know, how they must come together and interpret, he said, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. So if you don't know something Paul did all the time, this is one of it. He spoke in tongues a lot. A, a believer should learn to speak with tongues a lot. Like we said, the utterance gifts are the doorway. Now in verse 26, <coughs> he said, how is it, brethren, when you come together and every one of you has a tongue, an interpretation, a psalm, a revelation, a doctrine, an instruction, let all things be done to edify. Now, notice what he does there. He talks about revelation. That revelation will include what? The sign of spirits, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Now, so Paul has given us five things. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, revelation, doctrine, and a psalm. Five things, you know. Look at the preponderance of the five things. Except revelation, every other thing there is by utterance. Everything is my utterance. So, how does he start? Verse 27. He that speaks. So, which means that the way to start out is by what? Speaking. From speaking, I get into the other ones. Tonight, we're going to have believers' meetings. A believers' meeting is where believers come together and we allow. There are different kinds of meetings. We have teaching services. They are primary services where all we do, majorly what we do is to teach. 
I'm sure most of your Sunday services are like that. They just pastor just a lot of teaching. During the week, they teach. We also have prayer meetings. In prayer meetings, what we do is to pray. We just pray. But I've been to some awkward prayer meetings. They sang more than they prayed. You know, just kept singing. And, no, no, that's not a prayer meeting. That's a, a concert. So we pray. We have prayer meetings. We have evangelistic meetings, as it were. We go to the world and preach the gospel to them. We have healing services where what we focus on is just pray for the sick, you know. So there are different kinds of meetings like that. Now, we also have Holy Ghost or believers meetings. If you look at that Acts 2, nobody was preaching. It didn't say as Peter was preaching. They were all in one place. So we can have a meeting like that. And of course, don't forget, Peter and John, in a, one, in a sense, or Peter and the apostles, they were in leadership. So it's not like no one is in leadership. So in a believer's meeting, all believers are functioning. Everybody. And look at how consistent that was. In Acts 19, 6, they were all believers. In Acts 10, the house of Cornelius, verse 44 to 46, they were all believers. So, which means we have believers' meetings. What's a believers' meeting? I'm going to use Kenneth Higgins' definition. It's a meeting amongst believers where the word of God is given first place. Okay? And it's preached at the inspiration of the moment. Okay? That's the believers' meeting, the Holy Ghost meeting. The Spirit of God is giving free course. Free course. I mean, those of, I mean last night, some of us, you know, we're looking like we're watching, like you're in a stadium. You saw, you saw a believer, maybe jumping and rejoicing. You say, huh? You know, I don't know whether you're a supervisor of the body of Christ. <laughs> you saw another believer, maybe laughing. You know, you know? no. We're supposed to flow together. Yeah. That's why if you get to a meeting as a believer, because you are born of God, you respond to the things of God. Yeah. If I see pastor and I come into the service and he's praying in the spirit, and he's, he's really engulfed, praying the spirit. I know that's what God wants me to do. It's not difficult. It's not difficult. If we're all singing in the spirit, I'll just flow. So, because we have one heart, I can join in the flow. Say, I can join in the flow. Say, I can join in the flow. Exactly. Join in the flow. So, really, in a believer's meeting, the Holy Ghost is giving free course. As the gifts of the Spirit are in demonstration through believers, through believers, needs of the people are met. The needs of the people are met. And we all live through the door of rejoicing. And we all live through the door of rejoicing. In the Holy Ghost meeting or believers meeting, the word of God is taught or preached at the inspiration of the moment. The Holy Ghost is giving free course amongst believers such that we all walk in the gifts of the Spirit. We all walk in the gifts of the Spirit. The needs of the people, number three, are met. And we live through the door of rejoicing. Through the door of rejoicing. That is a Holy Ghost or believers meeting. So we must have such meetings. Yeah, thank God for teaching meetings. I love to teach too, like your pastor does. You know, prayer meetings, we love to pray too. We should pray. Evangelistic meetings, we reach the lost. But let's have a lot of believers' meetings. We'll give, we'll give you an idea tonight, a believers' meeting, where all believers, all believers, 
all. I've heard someone say, well, you can only do that in small congregations. When there are no more than 10, it is not true. To the glory of God, we have gathered thousands and we have done this. Believers can function in the things of the Spirit. Do you know that on the day of Pentecost, those guys were barely 30 years in Christ. 30 days, sorry, in Christ. How many days? What? I mean, they got born again in the 40 days, right? So it wasn't that they were new converts of many years. And everyone prophesied. So prophesying is as much your nature as walking in love. As much your nature as walking in love. So therefore, believers' meetings, you know, ought to take place a lot amongst believers. What's a believers' meeting again? The spirit within comes upon, right? And then it becomes the atmosphere of the gathering of believers. So what is our starting point? Speaking. What's our starting point? Speaking. What's our starting point? Speaking. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, we'll start closing from there. A good minister closes that many times. <coughs> Ephesians 5, 18. Do not be drunk with wine, wearing in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Can you see it? Yeah. Filled with the Spirit. So filled with the Spirit is also your call. Say, God, fill me with the Spirit. No, it's your call. We can know men who are filled with the Spirit. We can know them. Being filled with the Spirit is an action. You know, in Acts 6, they were looking for those who assist the apostles. You know, they, were, they had problem in verse 1, distribution of, you know, uh, things to, neglecting of uh, distribution to the widows. So the apostles told them in verse 2, we will not leave the word of God and serve tables. Right? We will give ourselves, choose among yourselves, verse 3, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom. Now, look at how that's the honest report means guys that we know that are, you know, honest people, brethren that are honest, good report, full of wisdom, full of the word. That means we see them practically apply God's word, we can see. But look at the third one, full of the Holy Ghost. That means if someone is full of the Holy Ghost, we can see it. You know why? Because if you are full of the Holy Ghost, we'll see you speaking. We'll see that you are given to supernatural utterances. Supernatural utterance. They are brethren like that. When you say, come on, let's talk about football. They will talk a lot. Let's talk about politics. Ah, hey, let's talk about business. But when it comes to believers' meetings, they'll just be looking. You have something for us about the Holy Ghost. You are faithful. Oh, Lord. I said by the Holy Ghost. But the Lord is just saying, I should tell you, I am with you. I am with you. <laughs> but let's talk about romance. Uh -huh. The spirit upon him. <laughs> let's talk about politics. Uh -huh. you know, men who are full of the spirit. Men that we will see. We know that when they're in service, they yield to the Holy Ghost. They know how to yield to the Holy Ghost. Amen. Say, I'm just like that. <laughs> Say, I'm just like that. Say, I'm just like that. Yeah. Ephesians 5, 18. Do not be drunk with wine, wine in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Which means, Now, this is not really in the psalm of David. Though. It means that when you have a song at the spur of the moment, at the spur of the moment, 
Now look at it. It said spiritual song. What's a spiritual song? A song that came by the gifts of the Spirit. I can break it down to say a song you got by speaking in tongues. You spoke in tongues. Then you sing the song. I don't know if you have had that experience. You know, virtually every believer I know has had that experience unknowingly. Where you are just speaking in tongues. Or even not speaking in tongues, just find yourself singing. Sing. Sometimes you start by whistling. <laughs> oh, la, 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 la. And you're, you're getting close. And then you see yourself sing a song. Sing the song. To speak. Speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. Wherever you are, just raise your two hands and, and just speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. Speak, in tongues. speak with other tongues.